welcome to the Interstate Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, a.k.a. K-Slex. My name is Peter, a.k.a. Do For Real, and I'm also your host. Well, welcome everyone to the 54th episode of the Interstate Gamers Podcast. Uh, I think it's the 47th game review that we will be doing. 47, baby. If you've seen the title, you probably know that we have a special guest here with us today. So <laughs> please welcome none other than uh, Rybread himself. Hey, hey, it's a Metroid game, the title, which means I have to be here. Unless it's, you know, Super Metroid, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. For one exception. <laughs> but yeah, um, so uh, Peter, it's probably been spoiled at this point because they people can read, I think. But uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce the game? Yeah, today we're doing none other than the GBA classic Metroid game, Metroid Fusion. Hell yeah, brother. I love this game. Yeah. I I played it so much as a kid. (laughs) I want to know, okay, what's everybody's backstory with Metroid Fusion? And let's start with uh, Peter. Yeah, I I just played this game for the first time on stream at twitch.tv slash duo for real. Just a few weeks ago, actually. Um, Very entertaining. Ryan, yeah, thank you, Ryan. Um, Some people might call it entertaining. (laughs) I really enjoyed the game. When I was a little bit younger, like maybe 10 years ago or so, I remember people online saying like, oh, Fusion's not as good because there's like a computer telling you where to go the whole time, which we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into gameplay or whatever. But that, that did kind of make me want to play it a little less because to me, Metroid's always been about the freedom and all that stuff. So, so I, I had that propaganda, you know, uh, given to me. So I didn't play the game until now, but I'm glad I did. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I guess let's go to Ryan next. Ryan, I think you have uh, more experience with this game for sure. I definitely have. So I first played this game, let me think back. I think it was around fifth or sixth grade. Um, once again, the exact same friend that introduced me to Metroid Prime 2000 Year Door, uh, he introduced me to this game on the Game Boy Advance SP. Uh, and I did play this game before Zero Mission. Um, and my first experience with it was when, you know, it was a sleepover at Brando's house. And we were playing the game together, like we're switching off uh, for like different sections and we're just scared out of our mind. It's like (laughs) it's like 1 a.m. in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning. And we'll we'll get to this more when we get to the gameplay section and all that. Uh, But I could vividly remember being extremely scared (laughs) with this game. I I would tell people this might be my first horror quote-unquote game I've ever experienced so I just remember that experience clearly and uh, I finally got the game like a a couple months later and uh, it took me a while to beat it actually around a year or so because I got um, stuck on certain parts and I just give up like I don't know where to go I don't know what to do Uh, and so it did take me a while before I I finally beat it uh, and even get stuck in some bosses, but I eventually did. But yeah, that's my experience with Fusion. Yeah, you know, I miss I miss the days of playing one player games with your friends and switching yeah. off the controller. I, I I always think that's pretty fun. Yeah, Kev, it's uh, it's your turn. Yeah, so I had this game as a kid. Um, I love this game a lot. I would say it's probably right next to Pokemon Ruby. It's probably the game I played the most. I don't know if I ha- it's logged more hours due to how short the game is by nature, <laughs> but um, 
I really, I really enjoyed this game a lot. And it's just, it's just one I would pick. It's so easy to pick up and play. And I would just do that whenever I would, um, go do anything with my Game Boy Advance. Like if I wanted to just like, you know, go to the grandparents' house and on the way to the grandparents' house, I wanted to play a game. That was probably the best game to play unless I was in the middle of a Pokemon run. So, um, don't really have any experiences with other people or like involving other people. I just, it was my first Metroid game ever. And, um, I was like, wow, this game is amazing. It's so cool. And then SAX is terrifying and all that stuff. So yeah, that's my experience with it. Ryan, what was your first Metroid game? So my first Metroid game ever was, uh, if you want to be technical, it's the Metroid Prime Hunters demo on the DS. Nice. But my first like real Metroid game I played was Metroid Prime on the GameCube. This one's like number two. Number two or number three, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's interesting. All of our first Metroid games were on different consoles because mine was the Super Nintendo. Uh, nice. Brian's was GameCube. Kev's was Game Boy Advance. Pretty cool. Yeah, so for some context about what Metroid Fusion actually is, first Game Boy Advance Metroid game came out in 2002, and uh, they changed up the formula for this one, which I really appreciate. Most or if not all of the games up until this point had Samus, um, you know, like isolated on a hostile world and like trying to navigate her way through underground caves and laboratories and all this sort of stuff, like trying to fight the Mother Brain or the Space Pirates or whatever. I should also mention that Prime came out on the same day as this game. Prime, of course, changed up the formula, too, for obvious reasons. Listen to our review with Rybread if you haven't heard it yet. (laughs) Yeah, this time, Samus, you know, she's in uh, this space laboratory that's operated by the Galactic Federation, and there is an ex-parasite which kind of, like, infects Samus and changes her suit and changes her like her body composition and starts like creating copies of all the creatures that were in this laboratory and it kills all of the scientists in the laboratory so there is that horror element that ryan mentioned so it's different you know the atmosphere of the game is pretty different it's still kind of scary like metroid games tend to be but it's a different kind of scary i'm sure we'll talk about like the atmosphere when we get into the aesthetics or the content or whatever it is but i just wanted to set the stage that you know this game is unique among Metroid games, or at least it definitely was when it came out. And I think that's worth considering. Having said that, I think we can kind of get into the gameplay. Yes, we can. And I'll go ahead and uh, start us off. Um, Do it. <laughs> and I'm, you know, despite it being my my favorite Metroid game, I'm going to try to be as non-biased as possible, but I can't make any promises. As Peter mentioned before, I really like that they shook up the formula for this for this game, you know, as what you expect a typical Metroid game to be. And I think it turned out really, really well for them. Um, it puts a lot of emphasis on the storyline, much more than I'm kind of used to with uh, Metroid. And while Metroid's not necessarily like a bright and shiny game that's like super colorful and happy, it is a little bit darker and it's kind of like a horror game, as Ryan mentioned. So I always like that. I like that twist. I think they did a really good job of filling the the player with like um, suspense and fear, and the SAX is really cool and terrifying and all that stuff. Um, it's not really a lot about gameplay, but it is kind of things that you experience while you're playing the game. So I figured I would mention it there. Yeah. Um, I think overall, though, um, a lot of people talk about the linearness of the gameplay. I actually found it refreshing. Um, you know, mm. not at the time when I first played it because it was my first Metroid game, but playing other ones, I found Metroid Fusion to be refreshing with the, the linearity because you were able to focus on the story and action and gameplay a lot more rather than, you know, get lost or, 
um, get stuck or whatever. Like it just, you're able to like focus on the game a little bit more. And I kind of like that because, um, you know, Metroid's not, not really well known for its extra content. So it's not like the exploration is particularly rewarding in any way, in my opinion. So this was nice to kind of have like direction on where to go. And you could really just sit back and enjoy the game more, more than just, you know, like, okay, where do I go again? Not to say that it didn't have any puzzles to like figure out where to go, but for the most part, it was pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, I, th- I think the way that I summarize this for myself is that like, although the computer Adam is always telling you like where to go, he doesn't tell you exactly how to get there. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely moments where it's up to you to like find some way around an obstacle or do whatever. And there's still plenty of those. Maybe not plenty, at least when I played, but there are still those like Metroid moments, as I've heard uh, some people call them, where you know, like which which bomb or which tile exactly do I have to bomb to get out of here? And it's like, okay, maybe that can get annoying sometimes. But besides that, there is still a healthy amount of you know, like self guided exploration. So yeah, yeah, I don't think that the computer guidance was as annoying as the anti-fusion propaganda made it seem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still kind of prefer the way that Metroid Zero Mission did it, where like you'd go in a Chozo statue and it would just simply highlight a spot on your map rather than like starting a whole dialogue with you using too many words to convey a simple idea. That, that's kind of a personal preference thing and it's getting into the weeds a little bit. Right, Brad? Yeah, um, so I guess we can all agree that the controls of the game were, were pretty smooth. It worked really well. Yeah button layout, uh, everything else. For sure. Um, Samus is a little bit heavier than Fusion, or not Fusion, uh, Super Metroid and how she feels, but definitely not quite as fast-paced as Zero Mission. So that's an obvious difference. You know, going off at Kevin's point, because what really sticks out to me for most of the gameplay is that, you know, action, is that dread, it's that fear. Uh, I was legitimately scared when I first played this game. Granted, you know, I was kind of young. I was fifth and sixth grade, but but still, like I would, um, I would not look forward to playing certain parts of this game when I was uh, younger. Like I would just <laughs> dread it. I was like, oh, not this part, please, not this part. I know we were talking about the linearity of it compared to other Metroid games. In this case, I actually think the more linear approach to this game really helps that fear slash dread that the game's trying to do. And I'll explain why. Um, so other Metro games, you know, you, you're just vastness, open world. You're kind of by yourself. It gives you that sense of isolation. You don't really get that sense of isolation too much in this game. What, what it, this game does instead is that this game gives you conflict and tension constantly. And so what the designers really try to do with this game is that uh, when you are in a tense situation, like when something bad's about to happen and you don't have a whole lot of time to fix it or something else like that, like the SAX is cornering you or chasing you or something else is out to get you constantly, that tension can give you a, f- a response of fear. So basically fear is disguised as tension and that's kind of where they were going with when they were designing this game. And it's really hard to do that if you don't plan accordingly like actions that need to take place, which means that the game was designed a more linear approach. It makes it unique. It makes it different. Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily better, but I, I'm so glad this game exists because this Metro game um, gives me a whole different um, experience than the others. 
And it's one of the most memorable play experiences I've ever had in my life for any video game. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm really glad you brought up the point of other Metroid games giving you, like, isolation. Because I think it'd be really cool if there was a Metroid game that, like, combined both of those elements. Like, say you're on this isolated planet underground, whatever, but you have this antagonist that's, like, always chasing you and you don't know the exact nature of them. Like, I think that'd be a really cool direction because in this one, like, SAX, which is, you know, the evil clone of Samus, quote-unquote, um, <laughs> like, you, you, you know what she is early on. Like, the game explains it to you. And a lot of the fear, I think, it doesn't come from the unknown because you know what she is. It comes yeah. from the fact that she's so powerful. Like, she has all of your upgrades that you don't have yet. And she just, like, kills you almost instantly if you give her the opportunity. So, like, I think that combining the unknown and the isolation with that, like, dread of you're going to die right now <laughs> yeah. would be a really cool <laughs> direction for a, a game to take in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always thought that the encounters with SAX were definitely some of the highlights um, of my playthrough because you have to sometimes puzzle your way around a certain environmental layout. Like, where can I hide from her? Or do I have to attack her now? Or, you know, like, can I freeze her? Can I do something to her to, to give me an opportunity to get away? Those are definitely those moments of tension and fear that stood out to me as far as the gameplay goes. The rest of the gameplay I thought was good as well, like mechanically and everything like that. I especially like some of the simplifications they made to uh, the items. Like I think combining missiles and super missiles was a nice yeah. simplification. Having Samus being able to grab onto ledges and roll around and climb up certain walls I thought was really cool. Like all of those little uh, quality of life things I thought were great. Yeah, I uh, I thought the movement and the pretty much the uh, moment-to-moment gameplay was done really well too. And I also liked the way they implemented like the X into the gameplay, like the, the little organism people. Like whenever you'd like destroy an enemy, and then the X would be floating around, you have to grab it for some health. That's a different way than from what I'm used to of obtaining health and missiles in uh, in Metroid. So I thought that was really cool. And then also there's like the the frost um, X. And then also how, you know, like, obviously the Samus X stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just the way they incorporate everything and, like, mixed it up was just, I thought, just really well done and a little bit underrated as a game, I think. Yep, I would fully agree with that. Yeah, me too. The game is also pretty challenging. Yeah. Not like you're going to die, like, a whole, whole ton, but um, the game does a great job of, making you feel weak, especially in the very beginning. When you get hit, boy, you really get hit. Like, you lose so much energy for getting hit. Whereas other Metro games, you can kind of be a little reckless sometimes to get away with it. This game, you cannot be reckless. Uh, boss fights are plentiful in this game, uh, and they do a great job. My only real uh, critique, I guess I would say, in the gameplay is some of the things you have to do to progress in the game, as Peter would call the metroid moments quote unquote uh man they can you can really get stuck and they could really ruin the pace because the game does a great job of maintaining that pace by being more linear and giving you know those action cues and stuff like that but some of those little spots where you miss one little detail or not even a detail you just haven't tried something out and you're you just find yourself stuck for a long time and it ruins your pace and that that's what happened to me my first playthrough so that's something that can happen in this game yeah, you got to morph ball everything. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Morph ball and everything. I think they could have done a better job with some visual cues in some of those points, because some of them I did find to be a bit ridiculous, but not enough, not enough to like 
ruin the experience of the game, but definitely enough to yeah. ruin like 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They might have been trying to compensate for the non-exploration factor, but I don't know. It there's did you all did you all get stuck in that one point? I get stuck in it every time I play Metroid Fusion, and I'm just wondering if you guys get stuck in it. Is it, it the too. underwater part? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Peter was stuck stupid. on it for so long when he was streaming it. Yeah, I was stuck. And there I had too. to give him like three or four hints until he finally got it. <laughs> to be fair, they were small hints. I was I was trying to to get like a drip feed of <laughs> To be hints. fair, he's still an epic gamer, don't worry, don't worry. <laughs> he's still an epic gamer. I did really like the difficulty though to I just want to agree with that verbally real quick. Um I definitely commented on that a lot throughout the game, like, damn, I really can't get hit much at all. And to me, that was kind of a nice change of pace from other Metroid games, so they that definitely plays into the fear aspect, and uh, I really appreciated that. Yeah, those little slug-like creatures like <laughs> take a lot of the red ones. They take a lot of energy. Shout out to case slugs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I think we've we've done a pretty good job of like summarizing this gameplay at least. So, um, with that being said, what's our scores for this category? I'm gonna go first. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give it. Are you ready? Are you guys ready? Uh-oh. Hundred. It's just calling it <laughs> 96. Hey, uh, yeah, respectable. Love it. Now, that is the second highest gameplay score for Case Lux. So. Damn. Whoa. What's the first one? Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, oddly enough. Oh, that, that gameplay is because yeah. we were like, what can you really say about Odyssey? Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> that was a, that was a funny podcast to listen to. You guys are like, uh, yeah. just like you guys were like looking for critiques. But anyway, back to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ryan, what was your uh, gameplay score for this one? Yeah. So, like I said earlier, this is one of the most memorable video games I've ever played, especially as a kid, uh, and it still sticks with me to this day. My first feeling. When I play this, so I gave it a ninety-five. Nice. There we go. Pretty close to mine. B boy. I'm not too far behind. I gave it a ninety. Um, ah. I thought it was excellent. Some things that I would do differently, and some things that were just personal preference at the end of the day. But I definitely found it to be very crisp and challenging and a unique experience. So big old nine zero for me. Still an A. I would have killed you if you did an eighty-five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The bomb that is in your room would have gone off. The anyway, moving on bomb. to everyone's favorite section. <laughs> the power bomb. You wouldn't even know it's there. Um, aesthetics. 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 There we go. All right, so <laughs> I know what to do. Doing the visuales. Let's do Peepoy. Yeah, I think the visuals are fantastic in this game. You literally can just pull up like whatever YouTube clip of Fusion and just look at like five seconds of it and you're like, damn, this game looks really good. <laughs> so much detail in all of the artwork, the creatures, the environments, Samus herself, uh, everything about the artwork I think is just incredible. For a Game Boy game, or Game Boy Advance game especially, there's some good looking Game Boy Advance games, but this oh, one yeah. and also Zero Mission, in my opinion, are uh, at the top of the pile of the games that I've played personally. It, you know, what, what I like about Metroid in general, but also Fusion specifically is... That they they make it a little bit gross when they need to. Like <laughs> at, at the very beginning of this game, you'll find those like purple zombie type creatures that are just kind of like and like slugging around, and yeah. you shoot them and they like disintegrate and then they come back up after a few seconds. Some other examples in the game are kind of escaping me at the moment, but there's definitely like well placed little instances of just like grossness, <clears throat> nightmare, <clears throat> nightmare. Yes, um, <laughs> the appropriately named creature known as nightmare. Which, by the way, pretty funny that like 
the people who created that thing called it nightmare. Like they knew that they fucked up. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't have too much to say because I think I just have like so much praise for all the visuals, um, animations too. All the animations are very good. Even like the animation of saving the game has like an energy field thing that comes up, and I was like, "Damn, Ryan, doesn't this look good?" And you're like, "Yeah, it does." <laughs> so, yeah, it does, man. Best part of the game, saving. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's about all I got to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I think the game was like done really well too. It's it's honestly a really really good looking uh, Metroid game. I kind of view it in the same way that I view like Majora's Mask to like the Legend of Zelda series. It, it feels kind of like the Majora's Mask of the Metroid series mm-hmm. in a way, yeah. even though the rest of the Metroid series is kind of dark, but it's like darker than the rest from what I've seen. I've only, I haven't played every game, so that's a disclaimer, but <laughs> it's very dark and creepy, but in like a good way. And like all the different like environments that you're going to, they look unique and like they're, they're very fun to interact with. And they do a good job of like making you feel like you're in different areas. Like it may just be like this one hub and with like different sectors, but you definitely feel like you're visiting each and every different sector. Yep. Um, there's a, a, another thing I want to point out uh, about the animations and kind of the difference between Zero Mission and uh, Fusion. It felt like Zero Mission did some of their animations or a lot of their animations through um, like hand drawn graphics and stuff like that. And it's not to say that Fusion didn't have those, but a lot of what Fusion did with its animations, I guess to kind of build suspense, was like they were in game animations of like other creatures or the SAX or whatever. Like it would build suspense a lot better that way because you felt like you were there in the moment hmm. Uh, hmm. rather than the the hand drawn stuff. So I thought that was really interesting. Are you talking about like those uh like those cutscenes in uh Zero Mission? Is yeah. that what you're referencing to? Okay. Yeah, so the cutscenes in, in Zero Mission were more like, you know, like you'd see Ridley and it would be like a hand-drawn Ridley yeah. that would move, I think. I think that was yeah, like the- like animated comic strip panels, kind of. Yes. Yeah, and then, like, you know, whereas Fusion would take the approach of, like, here's, like, the SAX, like, fucking up the station or whatever, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that That's kind of the differences between the animations that I noticed. And it, it did a really good job of, like, conveying that suspense because you felt like you were, you could have been in peril at any time because of that. Yeah. I like it. Actually, to kind of add to your Majora's Mask comment, I know you haven't played this Metroid game yet, but most Metroid fans usually call Metroid Prime 2 Echoes as the uh, Majora's Mask of the series. So uh, food for thought. But I like the comparison, though, with this game as well. I'm kind of going to take your approach, Kevin, and uh, take it just a little bit different direction. I think the best thing, honestly, that this game does visually, and this kind of adds to that fear and tension side, is that is the visual cues. So specifically in storytelling, they do a good job, um, obviously, with the direct storytelling via Adam and stuff like that. And we'll get to that in the content. But I'm putting this in the visuals because they put visual like hints, like something's about to go wrong real soon. Yeah. Yeah. And so there are a lot of lot of hints, like subtle hints throughout the game about that. Just to name a couple, um, when you're leaving uh, Sector 5, the frozen sector the first time. Uh, nightmare appears in the background. He's, you know, he's flashing in the background and you hear yeah. the sound too. You're like, geez, what is that? But you don't even encounter him till way later, but that gives you a, a subtle hint of, yeah, you're going to be dealing with him later. 
Also with the SAX destroying stuff, so you know that she's nearby without even seeing her yet. Like a door is completely destroyed, enemies are just demolished, stuff like that. Yeah. And even at the end of the game, um, after uh you destroyed the you found about the Metroid facility, spoiler alert, <laughs> for a two thousand two <laughs> game, but uh after you destroyed the Metroid facility and you go back up for your final mission, you actually get to see a Metroid husk where a Metroid is evolving, and that that gives hints to the Omega Metroid fight eventually at the end of the game. And most people don't catch it unless you play Metroid 2, but it's still a really cool like visual breadcrumb that they do. Just another example of that just throughout the game. Uh, and I think that's an amazing visual thing. Uh, and also the environments change over time. When you go back to an environment and something's gone wrong, you really see it. So like, man, I've been here before, but a lot of things have changed. So yeah, that's what I'd say about the visuals. Yeah, it's like when I go back home to Louisiana after ten years of not being there. Oh no, <laughs> everything's different. Uh, <laughs> not in a bad way necessarily. Disclaimer. Yeah, shout out to Louisiana. That's a great point, Ryan. Though I, I, I think we're truly seeing the benefits of having a Metroid expert on our Metroid episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you said that too, Ryan, because that was one of my favorite visual parts about playing the game. But it did escape me when I was uh, briefly writing down points. So thank you for bringing that to the forefront. That's why I'm here. I would get mad at SAX for destroying a door that I was planning on going through later, but you know, <laughs> sometimes you just got to roll with the punches. Right. Asshole. <laughs> Are we about done with the visualis? I'd say so. Yeah, it's good for me. All right, well, I will give my score first. I gave it a hot, fresh 95. Damn. Nice. I gave it a 95, too. Oh, man. You guys are both a little bit higher than me. Ryan? I gave it a 93, so I know. Oh, <laughs> damn, we, we were I so know. close. Almost had the triple. Well, so far, so like we've we've had pretty similar scores, so pretty in sync here. Um, moving on to the audio, let's let's see what we've got. Rye bread. What do you think about the audio? All right, so I have to start us off with this audio right here, and maybe you guys can agree with me. Those missiles when you hit something. Hmm. <laughs> Just the crunchiest sound yeah, in the world, the and it's and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had to start off the audio with the missile crunch. It's just amazing. Yeah, for sure. But real talk, um, the best thing that the audio does, in my opinion, is that it really sets the tone in any given situation. For anyone that knows anything about trying to create fear and tension, audio is a huge part of that. And this game does a great job with creating unique sounds unique soundtracks that are just really eerie or uh, something else happens and you're just like, gosh, dang it, something has gone wrong. I know I forgot to kind of say this in the gameplay section a little bit, but this kind of ties to it. But a lot of those really tense sections in the game and finally when the music calms down, you you just kind of want to <sighs> have a sigh of relief. I can't recall. I can't tell you how many times I just sigh of relief. Uh, after multiple sections in this game. I know Peter did too when he was playing it on twitch.tv slash deal for real. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, setting the tone in any situation, whether, uh, you're talking with Adam, you're trying to explore a mystery or the SAX is coming in. Um, great job with that. There's not too many memorable, super memorable, like catchy songs. There's a couple like the sector one when you start off the game is really catchy. 
Uh, a lot of the boss fight musics are pretty catchy, like the Cirrus boss fight and even the Nightmare boss fights. Um, so not super, super memorable. Like you hear and you go, I know exactly what that is. But more than anything, it just does a great job of setting the tone. Yeah. To that point that Ryan just made, um, Ryan's been sending me uh, <laughs> Metroid Fusion remixes over the past couple of weeks. And oftentimes I'm like, what was the original again? Like, I do not remember. <laughs> so I have to like go and refresh my memory. Funny that y'all say that because I wrote down, you know, you know, the soundtrack does a good job of creating panic and fear and all that stuff. But then I also wrote down, it's like, I don't think I'd ever jam out to it or anything. It's not like super memorable in any way. Like yeah. you wouldn't be like, that's a Metroid fusion soundtrack. It's just kind of like, it does a good job of being like fitting the game really well and in the moment, but it's not something you would just listen to by yourself. So I don't know where that ranks in terms of value, but does it hurt a game if the soundtrack is not memorable? If it's not catchy or something like that, does it, is it really bad? Well, no, because it does such a good job in the moment of creating fear and panic and like intensity. So it's just, it wouldn't have worked without the soundtrack being the way that it is. So it's hard to judge for me. I found that some of the soundtracks, in my opinion, didn't quite fit the mood very well. Um, and I think some of the boss fight battles are guilty of this. Like the nightmare boss battle music to me sounded kind of goofy and like weirdly slow paced. And like nightmare is a very weird creature. So from that perspective, it made sense. But in my opinion, it was such an intense fight that to have this music that was kind of like, do, 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 do. I was like, something <laughs> isn't quite right here. And then the Ridley fight, they like slowed down the arrangement of that track too, which that's one of my like favorite music or one of my favorite video game pieces of all time. And to hear it like your boy. slowed down during this very epic moment, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. I couldn't concentrate on the music in that moment. I just heard, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. A lot of Ridley screeching going on. Speaking of audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think there were some moments where the music didn't quite fit. And then um, I, I agree with what both of you said about it not being really catchy. But I do think that it's possible to have music that is, you know, like fitting the moment, but is memorable and is catchy without it like necessarily taking center stage. And I think bias alert here, but I think Super Metroid does a great job of this. And even Metroid Prime does a great job of this, where there will be tracks yeah. that are like, a little more subtle and they're not like in your face, like maybe uh, the zero mission tracks are, mm-hmm. but they'll still convey an appropriate atmosphere for the occasion. So it's cool that Metroid fusion has like generally a more like militaristic kind of music. Like there'll be like those snare drums, like the military oh. has sometimes and like more trumpets and things like that. It fits in that sense. But in my mind, I don't know. I just, I was kind of disappointed in the music to be hundred percent honest. I don't think it was bad at all, but I think it could have been better. Yeah. Good point on the militaristic style. I never really uh, thought about that, but once you said it, like I was like, yeah, totally. So, huh, that's pretty good. Moving to the most important part of audio section, the sounds <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Tell us, as as Rybred previously mentioned, you know when you when you shoot a missile, man, is you got that crunch. Um, I thought that a lot of the weapons and attacks in the games. Um, make really make you want to use them and make you want to spam them and like <laughs> just be like man these are really satisfying to use just yeah kind of like you know chugging along doing that and they're really good indicators of how the weapons are interacting with your environment um mm-hmm. i don't you know it, it does a really good job of conveying information through sound and it's just really fascinating how like these creators can do that it's just really cool to think that somebody can make 
like a missile sounds so good on a small little Game Boy Advance uh, handheld thing. So really, really good job there. Um, also, the enemy sounds when they they when they get hit or when they attack or when they're like transforming into an X, it just all sounds so oddly natural in a way. Um, so I think they did a really good job with the sounds. Yep. I agree with Kev about the sound effects all being really good. Um, I, I did kind of miss the fact that in other Metroid games, when you attack different enemies, they'll make different like little squeals of pain. Um, I always found that to be a fun little detail. And I think in this game, if I remember correctly, that doesn't really happen. And I think it's because no. they're all X. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, if the X can mimic the appearance, why can't it mimic the sounds? I find that a little bit odd. Probably one of the only like sound effect details that I would harp on. Um, otherwise, I thought it was really good, and especially I love the footsteps of Sax. Oh, like hearing yeah. that when you before you can see her, it's like, damn, you know, there's that fear and tension <laughs> that we've been talking about so much, and that's definitely yeah. a big part of it. I agree. Yeah, I had a hard time rating this section because I was like, ah, how do I feel about the soundtrack not being like, yeah, I did too, catchy or memorable. So. But you guys have kind of convinced me to raise my score up a little bit from what oh, I asked. Oh, so. shoot. There we go. Heck yeah. So uh, I'm going to give it a uh, 91. All right. I think that's a good score. I originally had an A to 89, but I bumped it up to an A. I think it deserves an A for the, you know, I can't harp on the soundtrack too much. It, it does a good job of what it was intended to do. Nice. Ryan, what you got? I think the soundtrack, even though it's not super memorable, I think it's still a little underrated. As a Metroid soundtrack, it has some really good, uh, awesome moments there and just setting the tone. I actually gave it a 93. Oh, nice. Well, this will be the first part where I, uh, where any of us differ significantly. Oh, God. I uh, went a little bit lower and I gave it an 80. I. (laughs) (laughs) It's still a B. (laughs) Yeah, I I thought there was uh, more potential that could have been realized, but I still think it was good. I still think 80 is a good score. Just wish it had some, it's a little bit extra spice on there. Well, then you are lost. <laughs> Moving on to uh, the content. Um, I guess, you know, we got to kick it off with Pete Boy for this last section. He is the content guru. Content so. guru. Thanks, man. Um, <laughs> so we always talk about the length of the game, you know, how long to beat.com. Not a sponsor, <laughs> but they may as well be by this point. Uh, it's about like a five to seven hours of in-game, or not in-game, uh, real-time playtime, which is about accurate to my first playthrough. Like any good Metroid game, there's a ton of items to collect and all that stuff, uh, which does add some good motivation for you to go back and thoroughly explore areas. Um, I haven't yet been motivated to go back and uh, play the game and find like the 50% of the items missing that I didn't get on my first playthrough, but... The gameplay itself is fun enough that I could see myself someday like going back and looking at all those nooks and crannies and all that sort of good stuff. Kevin, I think, said this earlier where the game is like it's it's a pretty short little chunk of game. And we've talked about this several times on the podcast, uh, including our Super Metroid review, where sometimes like that's perfect. You know, like having a game where you can play through it and like, you know, a few hours, like maybe half a day or a third of a day and just capture that little essence of perfection in a video game. I think this game is definitely one of those. Not so much extra content in terms of like, you know, there's no like mini games, there's no like different game modes really, but a game like this doesn't need that. You know, it's it's a very curated experience. It's like a story. The game is content to just have you experience that story, and they do it really well, so it all works. 
But speaking of story, there is a lot of plot in this game, probably more than mm-hmm. any other game up to this point, including Prime, I would say. Yes. Ryan, I think you're kind of the, the lore expert, so why don't you tell us a little bit about how the plot of Fusion makes you feel on the inside? <laughs> well, I, I'm a huge fan of the plot in this game because um, I was kind of tying to early with the visuals, uh, laying those like breadcrumbs, like adding that tension, adding the foreshadowing of future events to come. Uh, another big reason for the successful tension building and giving you that sense of fear that the game does is through its storytelling. And in order for it to pull it off, the game had to be more linear uh, because you had to experience certain events in certain sequences where if you go a different paths and you don't or you, you avoid some of those areas, then it kind of ruins that experience of what they're trying to do. So the story, I mean, adds a huge deal of mystery um, there's always something going wrong. And that was something I absolutely dreaded the first time I played this game. I was like, please, <laughs> can we just be normal for once? Something <laughs> has to go wrong every time. It's just crazy. That's funny. But, um, kind of like 2020. Yeah, a little bit. Metroid Fusion <laughs> does feel like 2020 in the Metroid game. Um, damn. But I, even just fleshing out Samus as a character, I think this game does it the best. And so there's, Two Metro games there, Samus's character is fleshed, is where she really gets to speak in, and it's this one and Other M. I really like Fusion's approach way more than uh, Other M's approach. Obviously, we haven't reviewed that game on here. I don't think either of you has played it. Uh, but I just love those subtle, you know, Samus kind of speaks her mind. You can kind of get a little backstory to it. Yeah. Um, and she does speak when it's necessary, and I really like that side uh, of her with that. Um and even just the, the plot twists that the game gives you. And some of those plot twists are not even like text boxes. It's just you see it. You see the plot twists and you know, like, man, like, really? Like, so <laughs> I think the story does a great job of setting pace, giving you motivation, giving you um, tension, kind of all that stuff. And just how everything is sequenced. They did a great job. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, well... I guess it has the most story as we've already discussed, but it's definitely the most enticing Metroid story to me. And it's one of those games where I kind of wish I could experience it for the first time over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. You're like, man, if I could just re-experience, like forget everything that I ever knew about this (laughs) game, I'd love to go back and and play it. And I also think uh, something that hasn't really kind of really been said, Peter kind of alluded to it, but I think it's the most replayable game in the series. I think, you know, because of its linearity and because of the story and because of the intensity and the action that the game like puts you through, like it's not hard for you to just pick the game up and just kind of get into it and like play it whenever you feel like it. Whereas some of the other Metroid games, like I've mentioned before, you kind of get, you may get lost or stuck. And that's not to say that you can in Fusion. We've definitely discussed the areas that you can, um, but just the general nature of the game is really easy to pick up, at least for me. It, it was the most replayable because it's just like pick up and play. And, and that was one of the things I enjoyed as a kid. It was just like, oh, what can I play in a short amount of time that I can make some progress in, but like it still be a good time playing. It was always Metroid Fusion, always. And it was just really, it was a really convenient game too. So I, I really like the length of the game, as you had mentioned earlier. And uh, I think it's just kind of like a perfect gift wrapped uh, game in terms of content 
One critique I do have in terms of extra content, we mentioned it didn't have much. Um, I will say there's not really much incentive to 100% the game. Correct. Yes. Unless, unless you really like zero suit Samus, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you you can, you can get some different endings, but like there's really like you don't need to go and get all the missile tanks or energy tanks. There's just no, unless you're a speedrunner, like, there's no incentive for some normal player to just want to go and do that. So I think that kind of hurts the game a little bit, um, unfortunately. But everything else, I would say, content-wise, is pretty good. I do like, though, how after you complete the game the first time, if you pick up that file again, it will tell you which areas have which items remaining. So mm-hmm. it doesn't leave you totally in the dark, and I think that's a good approach. Um, I kind of agree it's a bummer that you don't really get anything worthwhile for 100%, but on the other hand... That means that if you don't do it or you can't do it for whatever reason, then you're not missing out on much. So I think there's kind of a pro and con to each side of it. I do want to go back to a point you said about this being, in your opinion, the most replayable Metroid game. And I, my gut is to disagree with that. And this will kind of lead into another point, too. All of the interruptions with Adam, I find, kind of bring the experience down for me. Adam being the navigation computer. Like every time you enter a new area, he'll like have some conversation with you that tells you where to go. And I think that's helpful from the game design standpoint because like it's keeping you moving along, it's keeping you that pace. But I feel like he just literally like says too many words. <laughs> and I feel like if I were replaying this game over and over again, I'd get so sick of like mashing the B button to get through it all. Whereas like Zero Mission, for instance, just has a quick little like shows a statue, tells you where to go. Now you're on your way. Or like Super Metroid, where there's none of that at all. And it's just up to you to like memorize where you need to go and so like if you're if you're very familiar with like these three different metroid games then like i would think that the one with the least amount of like interruptions and all that stuff would would be the one uh, well not necessarily though because what if you haven't played it in a long time yeah but i'm saying like assuming that you're familiar enough with all of them to where like you'll know where to go like that's that's the point that i'm getting plus at. the interaction takes maybe like 10 to 30 seconds each time I don't know. It's kind of annoying. I agree. And there's cutscenes that you can't skip. I kind of wish that you could, but I don't think it hinders it more than just like 10 to 30 seconds at a time, like I said. So So I actually find myself a little bit in the middle between you two, maybe closer to Peter, but I fully agree with Kevin. This game is fantastic to play again with all those things with a big long break. So that's that's definitely for sure. When I played uh, the game again for this review was the first time I played it in six, seven years. And um, I was more than happy to kind of read through the story and how it uh, sets everything up again. Cause I wanted to read all of it again, cause it's interesting, but I do agree with Peter. I much rather pick up and play just on the go zero mission, Metroid prime. Some of those others, I think those have more replay value, not necessarily because of, of Adam interrupting you so much, although I do agree with that to some extent of it. But I I just love the uh, exploration, like exploring new things, going different routes, seeing where that goes. Uh, just for me as a Metroid player, that's what I really like. And the good thing about getting stuck the first time, you don't really get that much stuck the second time. So uh, I think uh, Zero Mission and Prime in particular are, I think, the two most enjoyable, replayable Metroid games for me personally. But uh, one knock I do have on the game's content, though, 
is that this game doesn't really give you much incentive for exploration, unlike the other Metroid games. Like, if you collect all the items, you're going to finish the game with 54 or 58 power bombs. Do you really need that many power bombs? <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it's, it's just such an add on to it, um, just for collection's sake. Whereas the other Metroid games, you actually really use those upgrades if you go out to seek it and they really help you out in the game. This game, not so much at all. And so, uh, that is one knock I do have on the content is that unlike other Metro games, it doesn't really give you any reward for exploration too much at all. I was going to ask, is there any Metroid game that gives you like a huge like reward for exploration? For example, um, Legend of Zelda, if you, if you like maybe Breath of the Wild or something, if you go out of your way to like uh, get like a, a weapon that you wouldn't normally get through an, a normal playthrough, but you know, you went out of your way or Skyrim, like you go, you go and find this legendary weapon. Is there anything like that in Metroid ever? Or is it just missile and energy tanks like the whole time? There is in the Prime series. So there's additional like beam weapons in the Prime series that you get that are totally optional and are pretty out of the way. But they are so satisfying and super cool where they combine <laughs> a beam weapon with missiles for this really like outrageous attack. And uh, it it's it's pretty cool. So the Prime series really does that the best job of that. And they also have alternate like additional like cutscenes in the ending if you collect all the items uh, and stuff as well interesting okay i want to say um more along like the plot train of thought for fusion is that i was knocking on adam earlier and, and i think it's justified but i will say that adam is an interesting character because like near the end of the game you realize that your old commanding officer, adam was literally like <laughs> you know his personality was uploaded into this computer i already knew that going in and I think I could have figured it out at some point before the grand reveal anyway. But I, I think while that is a really cool turn of events, I think it's kind of wasted because like we don't really see Adam. Like like this is the first time Adam was ever mentioned in Metroid. And Correct. we don't really get to like know him very much um, besides like always talking to the computer and having the computer tell us where to go. And like it's cool that you get to talk with the computer and like form some sort of relationship with it before the reveal at the end of the identity of Adam. But like you weren't really forming an attachment with a character. In my opinion, it was just like, they were just telling you where to go. And occasionally Samus would be like, Oh, the thing that the, the way that the computer phrased it reminded me of Adam. Oh, I'll call him Adam. Oh shit. It's actually Adam. Oh, damn. <laughs> but like, that's not like a character that we had the opportunity to get to know across like, prior games or like even like a yeah. cutscene at the beginning of this game. And granted, like you can't expect everyone to have played every game and like have all the knowledge. I get that. But I, I still think they could have like made Adam the human more important at some point earlier in the game and like made the player feel more attached so that that big reveal at the end had more impacts. Cause I do think that was one of like the bigger plot points and it did kind of get a little bit shafted in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with that. Um, to some extent, but she does talk about like Adam and who Adam is on the way, like to each sector or whatever. And like how the, like you get basically get an idea of who Adam is. So really it's not like ever a shock that it's Adam to me. I, I was never like, Oh yeah, this is like Adam's personality or whatever. It, it's kind of, it's kind of obvious to me when I played it through when I was a kid, but 
it's also kind of like on the Metroid series as a whole, like they never introduced him up to that point. Like they never, they don't really adduce, introduce a lot of like human characters, do they? Like up to that point? Up until that point. Oh, no, there wasn't. Right. Yeah. So it's like, what, what could they have, what could the game have done to make, to make that attachment? Like who would they attach to? Right. So they'd have to conjure up somebody. Um, but I guess, you know, they, what they could have done instead was maybe not make it a robot. Maybe like she's actually communicating with, Adam or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, that but, would uh, definitely affect how the later games <laughs> affected the whole Adam. Yeah, Malkovich exactly. Thing. So yeah. it's like it's kind of like what what could they do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we don't we don't have to solve the problem, but I I do think they could have done it in a better way. Right. I'm just over here looking for looking for holes to poke. That's all. <laughs> As I do. Well, I think we've talked about the content in good length. I'm glad we have a Metroid expert here to tell us some things that we. <laughs> I didn't know at least. Um, so that was pretty helpful information. Um, awesome. But that being said, Pete Boy, what is your rating, sir? I feel like I was kind of crapping on the content for a lot of this portion, but I actually did really like it. I was just focusing <laughs> on kind of my nitpicks. Um, so overall, I was quite positive. I gave the content a 90. Nice. Peter, I gave it a 90 as well. Look at that. Hey, Woo-hoo. let's go. Hey. And I gave it, surprisingly enough, I gave it an 88. Um, Basically a 90. My scores are typically, yeah, <laughs> my scores are typically, they could be anything, but usually what usually what I do is I compare them to other games and whatnot. It's definitely above zero mission for me, but um, there there are some problems with the content. It's not like you're like, you pick up Metroid Fusion and you're like, yeah, this has the most content ever. Not necessarily, but there's a lot there for what it is. But yeah. anyway, we've talked about that. Um, we've got our scores in, and now it's time to do the number crunching. So we will be right back after a word from these sponsors. What's up, guys? We're back. Boy, howdy, have we crunched some numbers more than ever. We have... The recaps for our scores, and I'll start first with mine. Uh, Gameplay, I gave a 90. Visuals, I gave a 95. Audio, I gave an 80. So my aesthetics Aesthetics. portion is an 87.5. And content, I gave a 90. So my overall score for Metroid Fusion is a 89.2. Ryan, how about you? All right, I gave gameplay a 95. I gave visuals a 93 and sound or audio, a 93, which makes my aesthetics a difficult score to calculate, a 93. And then uh, my content score is a 90, giving my overall score for Metroid Fusion a 92.7. Wow. So uh, it seems that Rybred and I were pretty close, and we'll see how. So gameplay is, for me, was a 96 um, My for my aesthetics section. Um, we had visuals at 95, audio at 91, bringing my aesthetic score to a 93 as well. And then my content was an 88, bringing my overall score to a 92.3, which is very similar. There you go. <laughs> High praise for this game. So calculating that all together, we have an overall score for of 91.4, which is 12th amongst our 47 games. That's hey, pretty good. That's tough pretty good. competition. Yeah, that's almost the top 25%. Yeah, so we've reviewed, um, what is it? We've done Metroid Prime, Metroid Fusion, Metroid Zero Mission, and Super Metroid. 
And you weren't there for the Super Metroid, but Hollow Knight, you were there for. Yep. So this ranks fourth, I think, among your five games that you've been on the Interstate Gamers podcast. Yep. Interesting numbers there. There's also Thousand Year Door as well, Paper Mario. So Yeah, yeah. That one is your highest. Is it? Over Metroid Prime? Yeah. No way. No By way. Like point three. What? I totally Damn, forgot about got, that. Got I totally forgot about that. <laughs> he got wrecked. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. How can I love two games? I can only love one. <laughs> you just love it point three better than Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime's my true love. What am I doing? Oh, I love Thousand Door. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is something we've run into several times, I think, where our... Uh, I mean, not that this point three difference is anything that I that I personally think is noteworthy because I'm all about those those course divisions and numbers. But we do often run into situations where, like, our personal feeling with a game doesn't necessarily match a score that we give it. For instance, um, yeah, I actually quite enjoy Chopper Attack, although I don't <laughs> think it's a good game. Um, I think <laughs> right. Mario Odyssey is a fantastic game, but I personally didn't enjoy it as much as some other ones. Right. So uh, perhaps this point three difference that we're seeing from Rye Bread between. <laughs> Metroid Prime and uh, Thousand Year Door is one of those situations. Tying it back to Metroid Fusion real quick. Um, even though I would tell people I enjoyed Metroid Zero Mission uh, overall more, um, I'm perfectly happy with this game being a higher rating than Zero Mission because this game gave me a unique video game experience that very others has not. And so that sticks with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. It's all about that uniqueness. Uh, so for Christmas, I, I want to, I, I need to mention this because it is so awesome. My wife got me a new, um, Game Boy Advance shell and LCD screen for my Game Boy Advance so that I could mod it and like do all this cool stuff in my Game Boy Advance. And thus, when I got my EverDrive in, I could play Metroid Fusion because I don't know what happened to my original copy. Yeah. I was super excited to be playing it on like the original console. And that was a really awesome experience. And I'm like, damn. This game existed on this small little handheld thing. And then I I really appreciate the Game Boy Advance for what it is. But shout outs to my wife for this amazing gift, which allowed me to play Fusion on a the appropriate console. So that was really cool. Shout outs to Dave. <laughs> shout outs to Dave. I grew up playing Zero Mission, so I don't think that Fusion could ever hope to eclipse it for me. Although I did give them both very similar scores at the, at the end of the day. I think my score for Zero Mission is higher by like three points or something like that. I like to imagine that there's some big debate in the Metroid community about which one is better. I don't know if there actually is. There is actually. <laughs> okay, there is. Thank you. <laughs> Good to have the expert on board. Um, I think, like, objectively speaking, they have some different strengths and weaknesses, but I think they're both very good games, and they're both probably, like, as good as each other. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to, like, personal preference or experience or what ha- what have you, because they both do feel different. They have different things to offer. Yeah. So... For anyone who has not played a Metroid game or specifically a Metroid Game Boy Advance game, I think that either one would be great as a starting point. I'll die on this hill saying Fusion is immensely better. So, All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll watch you die from the other hill. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, it's been a great podcast. It's been great to have Ryan on. Um, this is a really fun episode, really good episode. I think there's a lot of good stuff said. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure to be on here and reviewing some of the games that I love. You guys are awesome. Keep it up, but thank you so much for bringing me on. Hell yeah, brother. Our pleasure. I guess that's going to do it, Peepoy. We've got some social media, um, so if people want to follow us at our Twitter, you should direct them to the IG underscore cast. 
And if they were to ask you about our Instagram, well, I can't exactly remember what our Instagram tag is. I think it's the IG cast <laughs> without an underscore. Okay, well, exactly that. If, you, if they look that up, they'll find us. And if Peter, Peter, yes, if they are curious about our rankings and where they can publicly view that whole thing, there is a website. There is. Uh, I would I would direct them to twitch.tv slash deal underscore. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, uh, that would be the igcast.com. Beautiful website designed by our boy Kevin himself. Uh, we will be adding this illustrious three-person ranking to that site, short order. Uh, so yeah, you can go through and look at all of our Metroid games or any, any other game you feel like looking at our, at our ratings. You can definitely do that there. We also have some patrons who have been so kind as to support the show financially. Um, I think Kevin is having to pull that up right now, so I'm gonna. I'm just gonna <laughs> uh, delay a little bit for his sake. Yeah, shoutouts to our um, patrons, um, our supporters. You know, we couldn't thank you enough. Dolphin Dasher, Justin Probe, Z Link, and Rybred himself. You guys are amazing. You keep us going. We couldn't thank you enough for it. It's been a. It's really a really fun journey. So, uh, thanks to all you. Yeah. That's about all we got. Thank you all for listening. Thank you once more, Ryan, for being a wonderful guest and a knowledgeable Metroid expert. Mission accomplished. Thanks, guys. And that's it. Love you, too. Love you, too. Mission complete. What's in the cup, Peter? Just some water. Wow, I I heard that gulp like vividly through my uh, earphones. <laughs> Some good audio right there. Gives you that tension and fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>